Beef Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we're going to be discussing an article from the September issue of the Beef Watch newsletter titled Beef Slaughter and Price Relationships Amid 2022 Economic Conditions. To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by Dr. Elliot Dennis, who's a University of Nebraska-Lincoln livestock economist. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Aaron. Well, Dr. Dennis, I need to mention that this article first appeared at the Center for Ag Profitability website, was published on July 29th of this year. But in this article, you really highlight some of the current economic conditions we're seeing and also the relationship that's interacting with that around current cow prices, what's happening with cow numbers, cow slaughter. Just highlight for us some of the content you share in the article, how you think the current overall broad economic conditions are shaping what's happening with cold cow prices, but also with that, how drought conditions seem to be driving this market somewhat as well. Yeah, so in that article, I really showed this nice graphic that shows the relationship between the cold cow price and the cold cow slaughter. And as you'd expect, it's a negative relationship, right? As we kill more cows, that price tends to come down. But what I really point out is that there's this sort of dynamic that happens as we progress year over year. And when we're above kind of this trend line, we can say that we're killing more on average than we uh, than we probably should. And when we're below that, we're probably killing a little bit less than, than we probably should. Uh, where we're at in, in 2022 and we, where we're at in 2021 is significantly above that line. And we're pretty far to the right, which means we're killing a lot and that price is, is pretty low. So we're kind of on that tail end. And so really the, the other situation that we have to compare to that's most recent um, is that 2010, 2011, 2012 kind of drought that happened in, the, in that Southwest. And so if we were to compare Region 6 cow slaughter in 2022 relative to 2011, we're even ahead of that on a nominal value. So total number of head slaughtered. But if we were to look at it from a percent of total cow herd, we're significantly higher than we were in, in 2011. And this just kind of goes to show that that pace that we're on, we're about 13.5% above year over year from 2021. And if we continue on this pace, we might be experiencing the largest one-time uh, percentage decrease in, in cow numbers that we've ever experienced in the last 40 years. And so it really leads to the question of, well, where do we go from here price-wise on the cold cow? And ultimately, we know that as we cull more cows, there's less cows to be actually recycled through the program. Eventually, looking like in 2023 and, uh, and definitely in 2024, uh, feeder calf prices are going to rise pretty significantly. That's going to incentivize people to retain both heifers and, and cows into the herd. And we'll see that price rise. Where could we see that price rise to? Um, I think it really depends on some of the dynamics, but it could be in the one ten to one twenty dollars per hundred weight range. So just to kind of go back and talk about the numbers, you're really looking here at cow slaughter in comparison to cow herd inventory, the relationship of that. Just help us understand a little bit more about thinking about that relationship, what historic averages are, and then kind of where we're at now in relation to that. Yeah, so we really look at total cow slaughter that happened within a year and what's that average price. And we average the price throughout the year. 
because of course there's going to be periods like in the fall that tend to be a little bit lower and spring that tends to be a little bit higher. So we're really looking for just an average price. And what was the average coal rate throughout, uh, you know, a given week. And so, you know, on a good year, that might be somewhere in the 15 to 17,000 head per week are, are being cold. We're definitely, you know, on the right side of that significantly higher. And when people start retaining cows, as they start to rebuild their herds, uh, we, we see this number drop in, you know, in that 10,000 head range. And so we often look at this as economists, this relationship to try to gauge people's really incentives to respond to price. And, uh, and then once it, once again, we look at it for price dynamics as well. I think for many cow-calf producers who've needed to reduce cow herd numbers the last year, especially this year, due to drought conditions, especially I would say the spring and summer, have been somewhat pleasantly surprised at current cold cow prices. It gives a perspective on what's been driving some of the strength there and and where we, might we see this cold cow market move as we think about the fall run and, and moving into next spring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so when I always think about anything on the feeder calf price or on the fed cattle price, I always go and back and look at the consumer and then work my way back down. So if you look at consumer demand, we really look at that ground beef or the demand for ground beef and what consumers are willing to pay dollars per pound for let's say 80, 20 uh, at retail has been significantly higher. In fact, there's a, a large premium at retail relative to food service, something that we haven't seen over this last year. I think a lot of that has to do with the residual of COVID-19. People feel more comfortable cooking with ground beef. They have a preference for it. And so they, they, tend, they tend to have really strong demand of, of retail beef. So that's going to pull up some of that, that price. Then we look at where we're at in the export market. We actually are a net importer of ground beef. And we get a lot of that grind from places like New Zealand, from Australia. Well, they're in herd rebuilding phases. And so the, the quantity of, of ground beef coming is, is already lower. And then the third thing is that, that dairy cow slaughter has been low. So we do get a lot of, of our grind from basically dairy cows that have stopped milking. And so all three of those things are, have really indicated that we should be pulling up slaughter cows. And really where that's been reflective is in the cutter cow price cutout. So this would be the wholesale price that we see. And generally what we see there is that we see this kind of cyclical pattern. You know, prices are a little bit higher in the spring and then they kind of decline in the fall. And that really has to do with the seasonality. And what we really saw was that what we call contra-seasonal that really started happening last year. And we saw coal cow prices stay elevated in the fall and even higher in the spring. And so that's what... Uh, some producers have been noticing that that these price that they normally would see in the spring is significantly higher. And the last time we experienced that, uh, in fact, one of the only times we've experienced that was in 2014. And in another article on our website, I actually sh show that historical pattern and basically show that that cutter cow price and then subsequently the cold cow price returned back to seasonal patterns. Basically within a year, we only have one year to really compare against and so the assumption would be that we're going to probably we had similar conditions and so we're probably going to follow a similar trend but what that would suggest is in 
you know, September, October, we're going to cool off pretty considerably on the, the slaughter cow price. As you think about slaughter cow prices, give us some perspective on what the price is in terms of relation to inflation adjusted. So we think about cold cow prices back in 2014, but the value of the dollar today is not the same as it was then. So just give us some perspective on what's the price relationship in terms of value of cows today compared to a 2014 cow. It's a really good point, Aaron, because when we talk about prices, we tend to think about them in terms of nominal values, or at least we talk about it in terms of nominal value. But when we compare year to year, uh, or definitely with across a time span, let's say from 1990 to, to now, uh, we're going to naturally see that price rise. And some of that price rise has to just to do like, like with what you said, inflation. And so as economists, what we do to try to compare apples to apples is we uh, deflate or we take out the effect of, of inflation and the prices so that we can compare what we call real prices. So if you ever hear anyone say these are real prices, it's not that they were using fake prices before. It's that they've just basically taken out the effective inflation so that they can compare prices today versus prices, let's say, in you know 1990. And so, as you as you mentioned, prices have been significantly higher, but we've also been experiencing a large amount of inflation throughout the economy. The beef supply chain is no exception. Nine to twelve percent, depending upon the measure that you you see in the broad economy, particularly in the food industry. And so, when we take that out, what we actually see is that while we're receiving high prices today, those prices are actually not as high as they were in 2014 on a real value basis, even though nominally we, they might be in some cases. So inflation definitely has an impact. And, and another thing to note is that just because we receive higher prices doesn't necessarily mean we're more profitable. It's a really important thing to consider because, you know, as people have bought hay and we've looked at the hay reports, you know, those inputs to feed and maintain cows has gone up this year. And so... So as the prices rise, we often try to see, well, what's the relative increase of the price increase to the relative to the cost increase? And what we've seen is, yeah, well, we have made some gains that higher feed inputs have really uh, shrunk the total profit margin for cow-calf producers this year, even with significantly higher coal cow prices. Dr. Dennis, just to summarize, as we look forward, you already mentioned there's a number of things going on here. We've got drought conditions. We've also got reduced cow numbers. The anticipation of, you know, if the drought breaks, we could see better feeder cattle prices, better calf prices. As a producer is evaluating these decisions, how do they think through some of these different options and, and try to decide where am I at in my system and how much should I spend? How far should I extend myself if I'm betting on the come, so to speak, of rain and higher prices. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people who have put out forecasts on on where drought is going to be and this whole idea of do we go for a once-in-a-lifetime record of four La Ninas in a, in a, in a row, which has never happened? Do we uh, bet on a reduced cow herd? And really, as mentioned before, and we've talked before on different articles, it really depends on when you want to receive that benefit. And so when we talk about paying for more expensive hay right now, right? 
the benefit that we get is that we have more cows in the system. When that price starts to turn, we get we get the benefit from that and we get paid up front for that. But if there if there's a delay, right, if we actually do go into a fourth year of drought, we basically have to be committed to that strategy that just like in hedging, that we're going to see it through. Well, that has that has some risk there uh, associated with it that we just have to continue to buy the hay, even though it hurts, because if we don't, we're not going to receive the payout from the calf crop that we receive that can basically pay us back for that more expensive hay. On the other hand, we can either reduce our, our cow numbers so that we kind of match our feed resources. Well, we get a little bit of payment up front, but we don't get as big a bump in the beginning when that calf price starts to rise. But ultimately over that 10 year period, we get paid out towards the middle to the end. So it's kind of like almost a delayed gratification. I point this out because we tend to think of decisions as, and I make this decision, I get this money, but it really is about a strategy and we have to be committed to that strategy in order for us to receive the full benefits of it. Recently, when I started to talk to producers, I've kind of framed it in the terms of a hedging, right? We, we take a position and even though that price moves against us, we have to have a banker who's committed to you know, and understands the idea of hedging so that when they see a negative loss in the uh, basically that margin call category, that they're not just going to pull the plug on us. And basically that whole strategy is gone and we lose a ton of money. And so that's, this, I believe, is the same idea for our, our calling strategy. We have to assess where we are at in our system and then recognize when we're going to receive those benefits. And then once we make a decision, we have to be committed to it. Or if not, we're going to be caught in kind of no man's land and we're definitely going to be hurting then. Well, thanks again for joining me today. I really appreciate the article and, and the perspective you brought. Yeah, thanks for having me, Aaron. But for more information on the topic that was discussed at today's Beef Watch podcast, this article can be found at the beef.unl.edu website. It's in the September issue of the Beef Watch newsletter. I also want to mention that this article first appeared at the Center for Ag Profitability website, and that can be found at cap.unl.edu.